Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O C-O. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And welcome back to the Baseball America Fantasy Podcast. This is your host, Jeff Ponce, back with my co-host, Dylan White. Dylan, you had a vacation week. I had a recovery week after I got back from Seattle. Um, it's been a couple of weeks. A lot has happened. Draft has happened. Futures game happened. We've had some trades. We've had some call-ups. We've had some minor league promotions. We are days, week or so away from the trade deadline right now. There's there's a lot going on, Dylan. So, with all that being said, we're not going to talk about any of it. We're going to talk about the Dynasty 600 update. We put that out a couple of weeks ago now, uh, up on the site. So go check that out. Um, obviously, good work by yourself there. I was not involved in this particular update. This is all Dylan's handiwork. So, <laughs> I want to uh, sort of quiz you on some of these names here and talk through some of the players that have moved up. Some of the players that have jumped on and up in the uh, 600. So once again, welcome to the show. You haven't spoke yet, so I'm going to shut the hell up. Well, I was going to say, obviously, the most important news that happened was the Dynasty 600. But uh, you missed that opportunity to say that. And so now I have to toot my own horn. That's bigger <laughs> than the MLB draft. Um, yeah, no, it's been uh, a lot has happened. I feel out of shape. I feel like I don't have my uh, I don't have my uh, endurance underneath me my my legs are rubber but uh yeah i was telling you how uh the big news here is otani is coming to toronto on friday saturday sunday but now he's no longer pitching friday because of the doubleheader that's happening on thursday so my poor japanese mother is not going to be able to see him pitch as she had hoped so she can still see him hit so she can still see half the man he is Hey, maybe Tur- Toronto will pony up and, I don't know, somehow find a way to trade for him. I don't know how that happens, frankly. Covering that system, I don't know how that happens, but uh, we can dream. We can dream right now, just in the future. <laughs> I, I, they, they just announced that uh, apparently the Angels have pulled him from the trade market. That's the breaking news of the last hour. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure he's off the market now. He was once on the market that he's if he was on the market and now off, I'm sure that's a- absolutely accurate. <laughs> so that only tells me that he was on the market at one point uh, for him to be off the market, unless he was never on the market. That's the mean. So um, I want some clarification on that comment. I saw the same one. I think it was, uh, yeah, but it was uh, who, uh, oh, 
I keep on thinking of the wrong person. <laughs> Who is it that he had that comment to? It was someone uh, that interviewed him recently too. Verducci, maybe? It was Verducci, exactly. That's what I was the name of this on the, the tip of my tongue, and I could not remember it. So yeah, that was Verducci. But enough about Shohei Otani. Let's talk about the real showstopper here. That is the 600, which you thought I was going to forget. You thought I wasn't going to lead into <laughs> that. Come on. That was my segue there, you know. We talked about a couple other things, you know. We saved the best for last, and then we keep it moving. Let's talk about some of the, the new additions here. I think there's a whole bunch. None of them are Bobby Brown. Nobody was in BBD. I'm making some old references that nobody gets unless they're over the age of 45. Um, Jack Sawinski, Brian Wu, Leody Tavares, Ethan Salas, all inside of the top 200 now. These are guys that were not ranked. Um Certainly on our radars, I think different cases, you know, Sawinski was kind of an underrated prospect that had, you know, some good, you know, walk rates and some power and some speed stuff that you could like. Wu was a guy that was, was hurt, you know, came back last year, pitched pretty well, pitched well in the fall league and rocketed it up to the major leagues. I don't think anyone would have predicted that he would have been in the majors and pitching well this early. Tavara is a guy who had a ton of pedigree was ranked very highly for a long time, was considered kind of a bust, kind of disappointment. Still really young, having a good season. Salas, I think, is an easy one. I mean, Ethan Salas, like we couldn't have anticipated in the offseason that he was going to skyrocket like this, especially a young teenage catcher, uh, doing the things that he's done at the plate, like not just behind it, but at the plate. So understand some of these, but with Sawinski in particular, he's inside the top 150. Um, so talk to me a little bit about Sawinski, why I like him so much. And uh, I guess, you know, because these are dynasty rankings, why you believe in him going forward. Yeah, so I had Sawinski in basically all my dynasty leagues. He was super hot. I tried to sell high. No one wanted to buy. Then he stayed hot for even longer. And then he got cold. And then people came to me and then I, I started trading him. Um, so I actually regret moving him up so high because he's no longer on any of my teams. He has gotten kind of hot again, um, especially in OBP leagues. He just pulling it up now. I mean, he has a 131 WRC plus for the year, 21 home runs, seven, seven stolen bases. So, you know, he's on pace for 30 home runs, say 10 stolen bases. He's 24, almost 25. So, I mean, for, for these ranks, I use obviously my own like projections. I'll take like other projection systems. I will like apply age curves, try to do like three year out. I'll, I'll, I'll even use a perception of like what, like what uh, the market is kind of saying as, as, as a little bit of a, a nudger up and down. And it's just Jack Swiski just kept popping up. He just kept moving up on everything. There was no way I could drive him down. Um, I just like what he's doing is the power is just so good. He, he had that, 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 that slow stint for a couple of weeks, but it's like, he's kind of heated back up. I haven't actually paid attention to the last week or so, but uh, I, I mean, I still see him. You're hitting at the top of the lineup and stuff. So yeah, he's just a, a good one there. Brian Wu, same idea when I was looking at, at the projections and like how young he is and what he's going to be doing in, in a few years over the next three years with a good team. It's just, uh, I just, I, I, I'm all in kind of on Brian Wu. The fastball is, 
I mean, it, it maybe isn't getting the results it should, but it's like the exact modern fastball you want, as flat as you can get almost. Um, I, I, I like all the pedigree and all that as well. So I, I probably jumped ahead by going to Wu after Sawinski, but uh, I just couldn't stop talking about Wu. No, no, I think that's <laughs> that's perfect. You know, like I was going to throw it out there and say that you have you have Wu um, above Andrew Abbott. You know, among among these rookie starters, uh, you have him above Logan Allen. You have him um, above Emmett Sheehan um, and AJ Smith Schaffer. So, and Mitch Keller actually too, right? So, I think those are all like that's pretty interesting to me. Um, looking at that and how you rank him, I sort of agree. I think that his secondary quality has been better than Sheehan. Um, I think he's showed more starter traits than like. Smith Shaver and some of these other guys. So mm-hmm. totally agree there. Um, as for Leodi, um, I don't think we could have anticipated that. Um, what are your thoughts on Leodi? And just, you know, are you going after him in certain leagues? Has he been a target? Because I still feel like he's a touch underrated in the public space. Yeah, he's, he's because the Ranger lineup has just been so great at top to bottom Seeger, Hyam being like one, one of the RBI leaders, Semyon, of course, Adolis obviously being great. Um, he's kind of been under the radar, Leote. He's quietly had like one of the stronger seasons. Um, I have him in TGFBI and it's just, you know, he gets speed. He, he always hits at the bottom of the lineup, which is a bummer, but he's hitting 277. He's got 11 homers, 10 stolen bases. So um, he has actually slowed down a bit. He was over 300 for a bit there and like he was on a, on a better uh, home run stolen base pace, but he's the kind of guy who, if you have him, you really appreciate him. And if someone tries to get him off of you, you're like no chance because like <laughs> I know what he's doing for me and he's definitely underrated by the market. So it's kind of a, someone that you're not going to be able to get um, or it's very difficult to get because the people who have him are, are not moving him because he's still young. He's, I think, 24 as well, right? He's, yep, 24, younger than Sawinski by a month. Um, power, speed, plays good defense, so he's going to stay in that lineup. The lineup's not going to get any worse with White Langford coming. Um, he may not hit at the top, but, uh, you know, he's setting the table from the bottom for the, for the, for the leadoff hitters. Like Josh Young, I didn't even mention Josh Young as part of that as well. So he's a guy that I, it was kind of me planting a flag here of, I recognize what his value has been thus far this year. And uh, um, I want it known publicly that, uh, you know, we see him. Yeah, for sure. And uh thought it was a, a, moving on to some prospects here. We'll kind of move on. Um, Adam Walcott, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um now, we weren't crazy aggressive with your Walcott rank at 247. Still pretty high considering he hasn't played you know, <laughs> that many games professionally, um, but has been obviously like extremely talented and uh, the performance has been great. Added in Chase Hampton at 278. Performance has been really good there. He pitched tonight. Uh, we're, we're recording this. Added in Chase Mydroth, and you had him pretty high high higher than i would have him i know i'm gonna get some scorn for saying that publicly but um i don't know uh kind of I, I i i would like to talk to that one kind of interested in your thoughts um and you know other other prospects like louis laura ben brown um and louis and hill acuna actually as well 
I'll tell you what you want to talk about my draft. <clears throat> he sure. he was he was a challenging one. <clears throat> he he seemed to start off really hot, then cooled, and then got hot again. And then you know there was all the the, the spirited debate of York versus my draft, scouting versus stat line. Um, and at the time I was doing it, he was still sustaining his performance, and it was sort of like I mean I can't deny what he's doing. The projection of what he's doing is is compelling. Um, and so I ended up putting him, where do I have him? Like 336. He's near Jonathan Aranda and Carson Williams. Um, actually, he sandwiched. Uh, no, he's just ahead of, yeah, no, he sandwiched by them. Um, so maybe that is high. But Aranda's not going to have the greatest fantasy stats. He's going to have a good average, but he's not going to have the most power. Not really steal any bases. Carson Williams has has the power may not have the batting average he hasn't really done it like proven it yet so it's more of a pedigree thing and a projection of what we think he can do so you know having my draft i don't feel bad about having him i don't feel terrible about having him sandwiched there he has slowed down substantially in the last uh week or two so it probably looks bad in hindsight um since june 2nd he 142 played appearances he has a 116 WRC plus in double A, so just a just a, a, a hair above average there. Um, that's about what is that's about what his WRC plus is for the entirety. I mean, he's got a 118, so it's it's kind oh, of okay. Line. So there you go. But I, I feel like his his strikeouts have gone up, and his walks have gone down, and he's not really putting up the uh, the counting stats either. He's at three home runs, four stolen bases. Um, in that time, 142 plate appearances. So like that projects to like 15 home runs, you know, seven stolen bases, which is not the greatest um, batting average around 250. So yeah, he slowed down. Maybe he will make adjustments like he did earlier in the year where he did slow down and then came back again. Um, so I, I'm not like shutting the door on him. Obviously he, yeah. the body work this year has been good. Um it may be it, it may be a bit aggressive. I mean, I may have him ahead of Benintendi. Um, That's just going down the Brady House. Uh, yeah, I would have House. I would have House way over my draw. Yeah, that's what I figured. Jefferson Cuero, I have a bit lower. So, yeah, I mean, if I were to do them today, I'd probably swap those two, drop them down, maybe fifty points or fifty tier, fifty ranks. But you know, as as anyone who puts these rankings together always say, you know, like, don't, don't take the face value cardinal number, ordinal number of 336 as being better than 338. Like they're basically the same. It's you're getting the relative weights and, you know, obviously you have to weigh the context of your league, the context of your team, are you going to win now mode, et cetera. Sure. Uh, sure. When you're making these adjustments, this is kind of giving a good, um, you know, barometer for what I feel the market is and what the market should be for him. Um, all things being equal. Yeah. And uh, he's had a really rough last month, uh, 227, 292, 318. It's only 18 games, obviously, because of the break. But a 27.8% strikeout rate and a 4.2% walk rate over that 18-game stretch. Um, that is un like So kind of yeah. something to watch there. might just be a cold streak. Maybe he even is hurt. Who knows? Um, we shall see. We shall see. But, yeah. All right, that was a that was an interesting one. Of course, I wanted to bring that one up. Um, anyone else from these additions here that you kind of wanted to talk about? Whether that's 
Will Benson or, you know, Luke Rayleigh, um, some breakouts there. Uh, Jaron Duran got added, of course. Uh, Jonathan Class A. Um, Lane Thomas. Lane Thomas has been pretty good as well. So uh, I don't know if there's any names there that stick out to you. The, the, the Will Benson, Jaron Duran, and Lane Thomas are actually very difficult um, because at the time, which would probably be three weeks ago, um, Will Benson and so Duran, they got Duval came back. And so Duran started losing playing time. And so I thought, you know, the, the honeymoon was over and he was not going to be putting up the massive numbers he was doing. And since then he has hit at the top of the order again and Duval's barely playing and he's Duran is stealing bases and, and hitting with power. And he's someone that I regret dropping in my redraft leagues. And so I, I wasn't sure, like, I, I know he's good. I know he's producing and I know he would, if he was given the playing time, I just wasn't sure he was going to get the playing time. And, um, that's why I wasn't really sure where to put him. I regret putting him at 312. Will Benson, same thing. He everything underneath the hood was showing that he was good and he, he just wasn't having the opportunity then. And like he had just started to get hot. And was he gonna keep it up? Is he was he gonna do what he was showing that he could do in AAA? Because he had great numbers in AAA the last couple of years. Um, not chasing as much contact was great. The exit velocities obviously are great. I had Will Benson at the beginning of the year when he first came up with the reds and he did not do well. And then uh, I, I believe he was sent down. Um, I dropped him then and they came back up and doing what he's doing now, which is incredible. And I just, I, he hadn't done what Will Benson's doing yet. And so I, I wanted to put him high and I have him ahead of Jaron Duran. I have him in the, in the two hundreds, two seventy nine. 279. Um, and so it was again, a thing where I'm like, ah, I think he should be higher, but he's not really showing it yet. And that could, it could backfire. So you have to kind of split the difference. Um, Lane Thomas, Obviously doing excellently. I, I did a tweet a couple of weeks ago. It was like last calendar year um, comparing George Springer and Lane Thomas and they're like virtually identical stats. Um, 120 WRC plus everything else basically mat matching exactly the same. The problem is Lane Thomas is older. He hasn't done it for a very long time. And I, I don't know how much of a dynasty asset he is. I don't know how many people are going to try to trade for Lane Thomas. If you're in a win now league, yeah, he's a, he's a hot commodity and, and he's being traded. But if you're like rebuilding, you're not really trading for Lane Thomas. So I couldn't really abide having him that high. I don't really know what his three-year value is going to be. He's not very good on defense, so it's all hitting. And, you know, some of these teams that are in the hunt, like real major league teams who are in the hunt, um, maybe can't afford to have uh, a bad outfielder defensively. And so he's kind of stuck um as you know maybe a bad a bad lineup um like and he's getting the playing time because he's in a bad on a bad team so i i couldn't really foresee uh sort of a long runway of dynasty production for lane thomas as it is so i have him 377 it's probably too low based on his production right now but i think you know it's going to bear out in three years if that was sure probably a good spot yeah i uh i agree there as well um, and there was a resurgent JD Martinez making his way into the middle of the list as well. I see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was worried about JD Martinez coming into this year. I have him in a couple spots and he's just been incredible for, for the Dodgers there. Full-time DH. Um, I think I have him actually lower than other, <laughs> and other, uh, other sites have him. I have oh. him 258. I mean, he's at any time he can retire. Anytime the cliff, yeah, sure, hit the exactly. cliff. So, like, it, it's a, again, a, it's 
these dynasty ranks are very tricky because you have to balance so many things and try to find, you know, what's a good sweet spot. So. Absolutely. Let's take a quick break here. When we get back, we're going to talk about some of the risers, some of the guys that jumped way up the list that were already ranked. Some really exciting names coming up after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medella is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. And we're back. All right, Dylan. We're going to talk some risers here. I know we already mentioned one name in Emmett Sheehan. One that really rose way up the list, 409 spots. He's within your top 90, actually. That is Matt McLean. I was actually talking to his brother, Nick, a couple days ago at the Cape Cod League All-Star Games when they had interviewed before. So uh, we knew each other a little bit, but uh, good catching up with him. Um, he's the highest ranked sort of like big riser, I would say here, you know, other than Junior Camonero, but he only moved 188 spots as opposed to 409. So talk to me about Matt McLean and what you like. Obviously, the performance has been great. I had him rank that high because I knew you'd be talking to his brother and I thought it'd be awkward if yeah, you, know, you, you got he, approached thing. What's up? Why is he he totally brought it up, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, well-documented. My, I, I was worried about Matt McLean coming into the year. He's at the top of the AAA RoboScout leaderboard, so that, that was bad uh, perception on my part coming into the year. He's just been outstanding um, in AAA, outstanding in the majors. Um, him and Allie obviously are gonna uh, make the Cincinnati fans very happy for a long time. Um, 
yeah, 2020 bat, Matt, middle of the lineup. The lineup's just going to get better, going to get stronger. Great ballpark, playing up the middle. Like everything is looking up for Matt McClain. So um, I was a bit surprised, 87. I'm like, well, that does seem high, but just looking at it, like <laughs> that, you, you can't put him any lower. This is, that is the spot he, he belongs, I kind of feel. Like you can't, you can't, you can't lower him even though he hasn't really shown yeah. it for a sustained period of year, for a period of time. But like, this is where, this is the kind of area where I think he belongs. Um, he's ahead of Carlos Correa, Kyle, Kyle Schwarber. He's in the same spot, Max Fried, who's injured, um, Cedric Mullins. And and again, this was three weeks ago. This is before he's had another three weeks of, of great production for an exciting club. So, sure, you know, if I were to do it today, I'd probably have him maybe 60 or 70. Um, just yeah. it's the type of thing I like. It's power speed, good batting average, good team, good lineup, good ballpark in a in a tough position, like playing a, a, a demanding defensive position and doing it well. So um, he, he's a guy that I would be targeting if I could, but I'm sure no one's going to trade him to you for a cheap price. Yeah, and he has some runway, which I think is, uh, you know, future years, future five to six, seven year production window, which. I think people, when they're buying, um, you know, obviously that's valued very highly by sellers and buyers, of course. Um, another guy that moved way up the list, Louis Matos in the majors, not seeing the same success that Matt McLean has seen, um, but still young. The performance, obviously, throughout the minors this year was excellent. Talk to me a little bit about Matos. Uh, yes, Matos, sorry. Yeah, same idea. Guy, I was I was worried about coming into the year. Someone who I wasn't too optimistic on, and then he just crushed it all year. Was showing power, speed, showing batting average, showing great discipline, uh, great eye, great great uh, hit tool. I guess is the way to put it. Um, Giants called him up. He hasn't done what we'd hoped. What he's showing, he would do. But like my projections and the other projection systems still have him um, doing well over the next you know, over his career, he's still extremely young. Um, I like the giants are being aggressive. Like they also just called up Marco Luciano today. Um, Patrick Bailey obviously has done well. Casey Schmidt has had a, a large role on the team. Um, so he's a guy, this is more betting on the future, uh, even though he hasn't really shown it yet. Um, I had him one thirty six. Um, I have him just ahead of Justin Verlander. Um, I mean, I kind of see that. I could see how that would work. Someone who is trying to win would trade for Justin Verlander and they'd have to give up a good, a good uh, future bat for that. And so that's Luis Matos. So I don't think it's egregious. It's probably in hindsight, like again, three weeks later, because things change so fast. Um, maybe it's a bit high, but uh, yeah, I, I, I believe in Luis Matos and I, I would be trading for him if I can, especially I would now because like I said, he's, he hasn't really actualized what we believe he can be. And so now is maybe a good time to get him as an owner, maybe a bit skittish saying, mm, I don't know if he's ever going to do it. So now maybe a good time to target him. Uh, I like this next name because I feel like this guy has had so many lives as uh, a player in fantasy. Is that the right way to put it? And that's Jorge Soler. He has been the hotshot prospect, you know, that had had all the runway in the world. He's been the biggest bust in the world. He's been this huge comeback story. He's disappeared again and then come back in a big way this season. 
you got Soler up to 209. Talk to me what you like about Jorge. Yeah, he's uh, hitting second in the Marlin lineup and has basically all year. He has 24 home runs. So that's, you know, 35 or more home runs he's going to have by the end of the year. He's a guy like Leonie Tavares where I, I have him on a number of teams. And so I'm actually seeing it play out. And I'm, I'm, I'm so close to seeing like every week he's just consistently putting in the production. And I'm like, well, okay, this is someone that is clearly performing and is doing a great job. So he was I, at the time, like one of the top uh, home run hitters. Um, I'm not sure where he is now. I know Otani obviously has blown past him, but um, at the time he was one of the biggest sluggers. He was in the middle of the lineup playing every day um, as a DH, I believe too. So he wasn't going to get injured. And so he was always going to play. Um, and just having a 40 home run bat perennially for the next couple of years, I, I believe he's only 31, I believe. Um, he will should be able to do that as a DH for multiple years and have, you know, kind of carve out a, Nelson Cruz in his heyday slash JD Martinez that we just talked about. Um, so, you know, 30 home run bat. Um, he, he plays enough of the outfield to qualify an outfield year after year. So it's uh, yeah, it's just, these are the unsung heroes, right? Where it's not the sexy name, but if you can get, you know, 30 home runs or, you know, 15 slash 20 performance from, you know, as Cabrera or, you know, that type of player who isn't the sexy name. These are the, these are the tickets for, for victory and success in dynasty league. So again, I wanted to, you know, kind of make it known that this is, this is a quality producer and contributor to your team that should be ranked accordingly. I find him to be fascinating uh, as a player. So uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, he's somebody that's just, like I said, had so many, <laughs> So many lives uh, in baseball at this point, and he's not even all that old. So kind of interesting. Um, couple of uh, Tigers names here that I see were big movers. Colt Keith at 157. Kerry Carpenter at 363. Justin Henry Malloy at 367. All these guys were on the list to start the season. They all moved uh, 220 to 230 spots up the rankings. Talk to me about this trio, and uh, is the future brighter in Detroit? Uh, I think so. I think the future is brighter. Spencer Torkelson has started to turn it on this year. Riley Green, before he got injured, um, and now he's back, is still kind of producing at a level that we're or approaching the level of Riley Greenism. He's a uh, he's been an active target in, in many of my dynasty leagues. Um, because he's still so young and, and doing well. Colt Keith and Kobe Mayo are the top two double A Robo Scout names um, by far. Um, and it's just Colt Keith has just been great all year. He's now triple A, obviously, but he looks like, you know, 25 home run bat, good batting average, um, maybe not in a great defensive home. He'll probably end up at first base, I would guess. Um, but you know, add him to that to that lineup, and obviously they picked Max Clark as well. Um, I do like the Tiger lineup. I do like their pitching staff. Um, I think that the Tigers are pretty good, and Kerry Carpenter has been has been very good too, unsung as well. He hits in the middle of the lineup against righties, um, batting cleanup or so. He's had a, a pretty big couple weeks as well. 
Um, I just, I, I do like the Tigers. Um, Justin Henry Malloy has been consistent all year. He hasn't really put up monster numbers, but he, you know, he looks like a good batting average, 20, 25 home run bat. Um, I think they have him in left field now. So I think they're trying to, you know, make sure that they can get him into a major league lineup with them to, with, with, to, to hit with these other young hitters I've just been mentioning. So I do like the Tigers. I have Colt Keith, the highest, like you said, 157. I think, um, he's clearly the best of those three. Kerry Carpenter is as well as he's done. Uh, people have, are not really buying in yet. as I can, as I can see it, um, he is a strong side platoon mostly, and that kind of scares people off because they want full time, uh, full time at bats. Justin Henry Loy hasn't been called up, so he, they're both in the the, the mid three hundreds. But these are assets that I I like, I've targeted, and I actually have in some some of my teams. So I'm I'm walking the walk, walking the talk. I'm putting my mouth where the money is. <laughs> <laughs> you got that reverse. Um, you're you're big in on. Xavier Edwards, talk to me about your Xavier Edwards love. Yes. So Xavier Edwards in AAA, especially in the last month or so, has been outstanding. He is, I'm calling it up right now, uh, in his last 190 plate appearances, he has a less than 4% strikeout rate. He has... A 369 batting average, 411 OBP, 471 slugging, three home runs, 20 stolen bases. Um, he projects to hit, you know, 280 as like one of the highest projected batting average bases on this performance. WRC plus will be over 100. If he's stealing 20 uh, in AAA in 200 plate appearances, he's going to steal, you know, 30 in the major leagues. Um, we always knew he's, you know, he's a a slap hitter um, yeah. who will, who will steal bases and not hit that much for power. But, you know, he, he's got a bit of pop in, in, in his, uh, in his stick showing so far, at least. Um, so my, he's in Miami. If he comes up, he basically the, re, he is a guy I'm, I'm watching closely for when he gets called up for my redraft teams, because I think he will provide good batting average and stolen bases. And there aren't that many options like that available on the wire. Um, so when he gets called up, I think he's going to be a, a popular target and he's definitely going to be a, a high value target for me. Sure. Um, it was, it was a thing where I, I was surprised at how well he was doing all year. He's been doing well. Um, and I just think because of the recent high performance, he's going to be called up by, by the Marlins who, you know, they called up Dane Myers, who was also, once he got hot in, in AAA, they did the same thing and he's been given runway as well. Obviously that was due to injury, um, with jazz, um, but, you know, maybe the same sort of thing will happen. They, they see the success that Dave Myers is having, so they'll bring up Xavier Edwards. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. Um, Samad Taylor hasn't done it when he came up. Uh, Johan Rojas so far hasn't really done it. But these these high stolen base guys, Dyrone Blanco, um, especially in redraft, could be, could be high-value commodities. And he's still pretty young. He's 23, Xavier Edwards. So, you know, he's going to play for a while if, if he comes up. So basically showing that he, he, he can get a good batting average using a steel bases, especially in a stolen base environment. And so I think he's actually underrated because the post hype idea has, has yeah. fatigued a lot of people. Yeah, he's still only 23. So yeah. I think there's definitely, uh, I see the upside for the, the contact, the batting average plus the speed. And, you know, the Marlins lineup is, is all of a sudden starting to look maybe a little bit more interesting over the next couple of years as some of these guys can, 
turn a corner and start to turn it on in the major leagues. It's really the, oh, that's the final frontier or final question for Edwards there is he's mastered AAA. I think he's got a 5% strikeout rate, like a 10% walk rate. So yeah. And uh, Jesus Sanchez, sorry to interrupt, <laughs> but Jesus Sanchez, I think left the game early today with a, like a leg injury or something. So there, maybe there's an opening right now as we speak. Perhaps. There we go. It could Edwards. be prescient. Um, let's talk about a couple of arms here in Kate Horton, Jacob Mizorowski, uh, Mizorowski at 290, Horton at two, 297. Um, they both moved up about an equal amount of spots, spots 213 for Mizorowski, 214 for Cade Horton. So they were ranked similarly coming into the year. And I just think based on the performance, I'm going to guess, and the stuff, the reports, the underlying numbers, everything's kind of there with both these guys. Um, maybe less starter question, uh, less starter question marks or reliever risk with Cade Horton than Mizorowski. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think everything you said there is true. I think as uh, the scouting reports, the performance, all that obviously has elevated their their ranking. Uh, I do think Kate Horton probably has more uh, better chance at starter than Mizoreski, but Mizoreski was just so so nasty. It just uh, just looks so good, even in the futures game, especially in the futures game. Um, it's just that they they haven't yeah I think they're a tier below like the Emmett Sheehan's and the Brian Woos and the the guy Mason Miller Bryce Miller these guys who've come up and are and are performing quote unquote um, Bobby Miller guys who are in the majors already um, so there's more to dream on in these Kate Horton and Jacob Mizurowski's so and they haven't done it yet they're you know a, a year away quote unquote so they they can't be as high but I have them in the two hundreds I think they're uh, you know. They're very valuable commodities. They're going to excel in in the majors, even if it's just in a high leverage relief role. Like I think Mizurowski, worst case is going to be a lights out closer, um, and that's yeah. valuable too. Especially if you you know you get your your Josh Haters or your uh, Edwin Diaz's, and uh, you know you're kind of set in dynasty. I still kind of like him as a starter, to be honest. I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan. I like both these guys. Would want him rostered everywhere and. I'm going to sort of bring this up now, maybe as we wrap up a little bit. As far as looking at some of these pitching prospects, particularly college guys that are a little bit older, like Mizorowski, like Horton, we've seen a lot of these guys get called up with an accelerated timeline this season. I feel like we're seeing more and more young arms. Some of that might be being pushed due to injury, but I also think that teams are getting more aggressive with prospects and they seemingly have been more aggressive with pitching prospects this year. Certain teams in particular, of course, but has that changed your perspective on the risk associated with pitching prospects when you're seeing a lot of these older college arms with big stuff, good performance in the upper minors get called up quickly. Does it take away some of the risk for you? I'm wondering. It probably does. It probably does. Like they, because of the accelerated timeline, like you're saying, you don't have to wait as long. There's not as much opportunity for a lost year. Um, or at least that's perception that, you know, you're going to have your Jake eater is going to have to go under the knife. And so you lose a year. And so you, do you keep them on your team or not? So now it's sort of like, you don't have to wait three years. You only have to wait one and a half, two years. Um, so it probably does. Um, Flip side is these guys have accelerated so fast, like Mason Miller, 
Bryce Miller. Yeah, we had them as prospects on our lists. They probably weren't in the 100 at the time. Andrew Rabbit was not in the 100. You know, Chase Hampton wouldn't be in the 100. Um, Connor Phillips wouldn't have been in the 100 to start the year. And now no one was ranking Hampton coming into the year. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And now they're like they're in these top 100. So like anyone, quote, quote unquote, anyone at any time can just pop up. So it's you know maybe you wait and play the the like be the quickest on the wire game instead of investing in you know four arms that you hope will will make it. I don't know. Maybe it's changing that that strategy of trying to find pitchers. But I do think your original question does it change the risk profile i think it does i think it does if they're showing if major league teams are showing that they're going to bring up their young and be aggressively promoting their young pitchers i think that absolutely has to make them be a quote-unquote safer investment because you don't have to wait as long um for them to brew in the minors and have things go wrong yeah no i uh i i agree i feel like i i feel more confident in the guys who have big stuff, we have some background underlying numbers to look at now. Um, and the way that those guys that we've targeted based on some of these numbers over the last couple of years have performed, um, Spencer Strider is one of those guys, frankly. So it's like, you kind of feel good about it, <laughs> you know, and you feel like, all right, well, I think I'm going to get at least like a very usable starter in a variety of formats. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. I feel like, pitching prospects all of a sudden seem a little bit less risky, which is probably foolhardy to feel that way. Um, they'll probably break my heart again, but uh, it feels like we're seeing more guys come up, get some success. Even the guys that are getting beat up a little bit. Um, at least you're getting that year out of the way. And then they're kind of like, you know, get to make their adjustments. Cause I feel like rookie pitchers in general, it's always kind of a crap shoot in terms of what the performance is going to be from start to start in their first time through the league. Um, but it also starts that timeline, at least from my perspective, of that first like year, year and a half in the major leagues and getting acclimating, getting coached up, getting better nutrition, but you know, better access to a variety of recovery methods. Um, it's just I think that stuff starts to take shape, you know, sort of after that first two hundred innings or so in the major leagues. And as guys get to that point, you typically and we're seeing it now, I think, with some of the rookies from last year you're starting to see some of these guys take that step forward now that they've made these adjustments and they, you know, they, they feel more like professionals because I, I, I am sure it's one thing for a position player to meld into the big, bigger picture, the lineup, the defensive, you know, uh, 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 you know, lineup, et cetera, versus being the guy sitting there on the mound, starting games, you know, every, every, you know, play starts with you putting the ball in, you know, into the zone or, or out of the zone, but just, you know, making that throw, um, that's got to be incredible pressure. And there's the preparation, the game planning, it's all stepped up and things that work. We're seeing this with Emmett Sheehan, things that work in double a, like his four seam fastball, that does not necessarily work in the big leagues. So you you have to figure out ways to make adjustments and make yourself better. So do you think it's interesting that, you know, they're coming up, I feel a little bit more safe, but at the same time, I think it's because the timeline is accelerated. It feels a lot better when they're in the major leagues and if there is an injury, it sounds awful, but if there is an injury, at least you can put them on your IL. <laughs> <laughs> you know. no, I, w- I wonder, I wonder if like you bringing up Sheehan, I wonder how much of that is it play MLB teams where they're like, you know, let's see if it plays in the majors and let's just bring them up right now. 
is that flat fastball? Is that uh, are they unable to catch up to? It? Are they swinging under it? Um, major league hitters, and let's just see right now. Um, and if not, if they are hitting it, then you know we know that he has stuff to work on, and so we can target those things um, instead of you know they wait a year and they think okay he's ready now, and then they find out he actually isn't because all this time that flat fastball was able to be hit. Just one other point too is like for dynasty owners. It's like you've seen Spencer Strider untouchable. You're not going to get Spencer Strider in a dynasty league. And then like Shane McClanahan, who kind of came out of nowhere, uh, in, that's in quotes as well, um, did well. And now he is like the number two untouchable un- untouchable pitcher. Yuri Perez is being talked as like the number three dynasty pitcher in some circles. So like people are seeing, own dynasty owners are seeing that these pitchers can become like the jewels of the league. Um, and untouchable and so they want to take their shots too so like you want to make sure like is brian Wu going to be that guy is mason miller going to be that guy i got to grab these guys as they come up bobby miller i got to trade for Tosh bradley all these young pitchers who are doing well in the minors have the pedigree um and that are being called up early are are huge value targets in dynasty leagues and are, are valued very 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 highly yeah absolutely i think that's a, a good place to sort of leave it Great conversation. Go and check out the Dynasty 600. All of our content, we're going to have RoboScout back this weekend. Uh, we filled it in with lots of Cape Cod League All-Star Game content. Just for you, Dylan. I know you like <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, as for Jeff, as for Dylan, we're out of here. This was the Baseball American Fantasy Football.